podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, just wanted to let you know that you can now get a free 14-day trial of our Chronicles Defosi Patreon membership. Subscribe now for free for 14 days to get access to all of our full episodes, solo minisodes, bonus content, even behind-the-scene bonuses like our chats about football, and of course, our chats about life in general. You can also get the entire back catalogue of Serie A Chronicles content. So head over to seriachronicles.com forward slash Patreon and subscribe to the Chronicles Fosie membership for free. Serie Chronicles is a Mia Chronicles production. Welcome to another episode of the Seria Chronicles podcast. I'm Mina Rizuki and I'll be your host for today. And as always, I am joined by Nikki Bandini, who's still in America, but she's coming back today because I think they've had enough of her now. She's been there for a really long time. <laughs> and um, we also have a special guest, uh, but before we get to him, because we are so excited and thrilled to have him on, I just wanted to ask Nikki quickly about her, her trip to Arizona. Everyone settled in, baby, back in the house? Oh, it's been so nice, Mina. I got, I think that was up was before the last show, wasn't it? Yeah. So my friend gave birth to her first baby. So I got to be not there for that, but in town for that. So that was a really, really lovely moment. And then um, I didn't stay in Arizona because I think lovely as it was to stay with them to sort of be there when they had sort of nesting and just got first baby arriving would have been too much. So I've gone on to see some friends in San Francisco. And contrary to what you might think, mm. Mina, about people getting sick of me, <laughs> Yesterday, a stranger told me my accent was beautiful, beautiful accent. Oh, they was said. It? So I would like to stay here actually and just have that forever, but apparently I have to come home. So, oh, Nikki, I also want you to be there and pay for your healthcare. Um, but anyway, let's, um, <laughs> that's enough chit chat for today. Um, yes. we, are, we are really very excited to introduce someone else because maybe you guys have gotten a little bit sick of Nikki and I always talking. <laughs> and we have the almighty Patrick Kendrick. Now, Patrick is the lead Serie A football commentator on the World Feed, making him the voice of Serie A in the English-speaking world, regularly heard calling Serie A matches on televisions around the world. They've done it in style in Reggio Emilia. The Rossoneri Renaissance is complete. After 11 years, once again, Milan are the champions of Italy. It's they who wear the crown for the 2021-22 season. He's also an interpreter specialising in football, as well as a reporter for UEFA and BT Sport. Hello, Patrick. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. Thank you very much for that uh, introduction. Yeah, I feel a little bit, uh, a little bit sheepish now after that. But, uh, but there you go. Thank you very much. It sounds much grander than it, it actually is day to day. It's it's not nowhere near as glamorous as it sounds. I think that goes for all of our jobs. I think anyone who sort of has an idea from the outside about what journalism looks like covering sport, it's great. Not complaining, but it's it's probably not as glamorous as people imagine ever, is it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Especially not when you're staying in hostel sometimes, but yeah, sure. The <laughs> <laughs> start of your journey is like, you know, pittance, but, uh, but uh, we do have you, Patrick. So thank you so much for joining us. And, and you did quite a lot uh, of games over the weekend. But just before we, we sort of head into that, I guess there's like a burning question that I you know, always want to ask commentators. And, and I feel like a lot of them 
a lot of listeners would probably ask this too. How did you end up becoming a commentator, especially one that's now we hear every week as well, calling a lot of matches? You know, it's a great question. I think every every journey is unique. I'll try and give you the abridged version, else we might use all of our allotted time on my potted CV, which is probably not the best for your listeners. Um, <laughs> it was it was something that uh, just came to me as a sort of notion when I was in my teens. I really wanted to do it, and then a few near misses here and there, and I actually started out doing uh, audio description for for the RNIB, the Royal National Institute of the Blind in England, and then oh. went from there to did some. Uh, did some watch and bet back in the day in, perf- in performing in uh, Feltham in West London. And eventually, the, I always say the big irony of my career was I became pigeonholed in London as, as someone commentating in Italian. So I had to move from London where I was commentating in Italian <laughs> to Milan to be able to commentate in English, which is a little bit counterintuitive. <laughs> uh, so there we go. And, and it's just it's just developed from there, really. So, yeah, no, it's been great. It's, uh, it'll be 10 years in July in Milan. Yeah. Wow. Is, is that where you're based, Patrick? Because I get the impression, maybe it's just because this season, there's been lots of good reasons to, but I get the impression you're in Naples a lot as well. I am. It's uh, <laughs> very perceptive of you. Yeah, for um, not just for work as well, for, for personal reasons, I go down to Naples quite a lot, which is uh, which is pretty handy this this season as well, because it's just been the most incredible campaign. Yeah. And um, it, it feels like it's already done and dusted, the title race. I know we'll get onto that, but um because it's Napoli and because it's been so long, I think it's it's amazing. Any other team, you know, if it were those years of Juventus, no offence to Juventus, Mina, by all means, but um, <laughs> if it were Juventus during that nine-year dominance, I think if they were this far clear at this stage, then everyone would be feeling a little bit jaded. However, mm. I think because it's Napoli, it's 33 years and neutral's choice. I, I think everyone is just dazzling in sort of the, the afterglow and, and everyone feels a part of it, even if they're not necessarily an Napoli fan or Italian or from Naples, I think everyone is really buying into what they're doing. Yeah. Actually, Patrick, just one last question. Um, mm. Just because you have, it has been a really exciting Serie A for the last few seasons because we've just had different winners, right? So we've had the Juventus dominance, then we had Inter, Milan, and possibly now Napoli, fingers crossed, we, we think it's, it's in the bag now. But is there a favorite team? Have you decided to start liking someone a little bit more? Is it like, you know, Plucky Salernitana who seem to never get it right? Or, you know, like, is there is there a particular team that you just love commenting on or you've become a little bit of a fan of? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of an occupational hazard to to pick favorites, but you, you do naturally get swept up in it. I would completely agree with that. I think Salernitana were the story last season en route to that incredible, incredible survival. Um, I'm a big fan of Empoli, but always have been every time they come up to Serie A. I love the way they do things, the way they develop young players, the fact that they're, you know, the the Provinciale per eccellenza, you know, the the small town team par excellence. You know, if I was looking yesterday before the, the Fiorentina-Empoli game, their population is 49,000. You know, they are actually, Empoli is actually in the province of Florence, which I think is, is a great story in itself. So I do like clubs that, that try and play football a certain way. I'm not saying the right way, a certain way. And I, and I like teams that, that develop talent from within and then we go and see them flourish elsewhere. So Empoli are one, but I also like what Monster are doing as well, you know, leaving aside any political affiliations or otherwise. And, you know, obviously Berlusconi does divide opinion, but I think what they've done in, in pure footballing terms uh, and the story of Galliani going home to Monza and, and being involved in that after three decades with Milan has been, has been really good. And, you know, 
my my vision of things might be slightly clouded by the games I've just done this weekend because I did both Monza Milan and Fiorentina Empoli. But those those are two sides that that stick out, and 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 naturally, when you're looking for a story, it, it tends to be those smaller teams as opposed to the established group of clubs. I would suggest, yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So definitely not an Allegri fan. Right. Okay. <laughs> um. It's just Mina on, on Allegri Island. <laughs> no, uh, we could get on to him by all means. The much maligned Max Allegri, I tend to agree with you. I, I, I think he gets a, a, a bad press, to be honest. I don't think he's anywhere near near as bad as everyone make out. But yeah. Actually, I remember that on, on Twitter right before Christmas, you were banging the drum for you watch out. Events are going to get into this title race. And I thought, I think that's pushing it too far, which... It is, but you were right, actually, because without the, the points penalty, they'd be second. Well, there's a spoiler alert as well here. I actually went to a, to a bookies. I know everyone bets online these days. I don't know if I should even be talking about gambling on a, on a family show, but there we go. Um, I actually went to a bookies and with cash, not even with my card, I, I put, uh, what was it, 20 quid on Juventus to win the Scudetto. I think I would have. Uh, I would no have way! Yes, yeah. on Christmas Eve, no less, in my hometown of Winchester and... Uh, as as and when they went into that game away at Napoli, and I think they were eight behind, weren't they? They could have gone five five yeah. back before the five one rout. Uh, I was I was a little bit uh, gleeful uh, with some of my colleagues, and then uh, it all came crashing down. I think a few days. Don't you worry, Patrick. You have a home here. I'm kicking Nikki off. She doesn't even think they'll make top four. <laughs> she was like, they're not going to be top four. <laughs> you know, they're not going to win. Don't be ridiculous, you know. That's true. And Patrick, you will now be the host in everything you want on the show. Wonderful. Fantastic. <laughs> Bye. Um, okay, let's start off with actually the games that you want to talk about. Mm. Uh, and Sorry, the games that you commentated on. And obviously, we do have to, I think, start off with the leaders. Great game on Friday. They have obviously a great... Champions League match coming up against Eintracht Frankfurt, who also plays some really good football. So there's going to be a really exciting uh, matchup. Hopefully we we can see Napoli's dominance, just like we saw against Sassuolo. I thought it was interesting afterwards that Dionisi came out and said, well, if we had Berazzi, it would have made the difference. And then you do feel that with Sassuolo, there is just, it's not the Sassuolo of all, the one that still shocks you. They're still capable of some brilliant play. Loriente, personally, is one of my favorites to watch. But I mean, Kravitz, Kelly and awesome, and I just feel like there are no more superlatives. It's a tragedy if we lose these two next season. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what Patrick was just saying about like, because it's Napoli, because it's 33 years, it's still going to be exciting to the end. And I, I agree because, because it's going to be a huge party when it happens. And it is a win. No one doubts they're going to win the league now. It's going to be a huge event. But I still feel like between now and the end of the season, there's going to be need to be a moment. There's going to have to be something. And I was thinking back, because I can always draw a link back to Arsenal, as Mina knows. I was thinking back to 2003-04, which was the invincible season, but Arsenal lost to Chelsea in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Mm. And I remember after that, having immediately after that loss, before we knew it was going to be an unbeaten season, feeling incredibly hollow about the whole season because Arsenal were playing so well in the league and it looked pretty likely that Arsenal could win the league. 
And now suddenly there was like nothing exciting left. It was just like, okay, so they'll probably win the league. But actually then they came back and they had this game against Liverpool where it looked for a minute like they were going to implode. Like Liverpool got on top of them at Highbury and it was like, oh God, like what if everything goes wrong now and they don't even win the league? And then Henri turned on and, and, and scored the goals and they won 4-2. And it felt like that moment became quite iconic. Now, I hope for Napoli's sake that they won't end up with that same story of going out of the Champions League that early. Of course, you know, just winning one round in the Champions League knockouts is going to be making history for Napoli because that's not a thing they've done. Mm. But I, I'd like to see them go really far in that competition because I think they can. But I think either way, I think it'll just happen, but I'm, I'm yearning for them to have a, a big game, like someone really sort of come and push back on them, give them a tough game, unlike Juventus, and then them come through it. Because at the moment, it does feel like it's, it's just a sort of pleasant stroll. And I mean, yes, you know, in Kvaratskhelia's case, literally a pleasant stroll through the entire Sassuolo team before scoring the first goal at the weekend. Just astonishingly good. I mean, you're absolutely, it really struck me what Mina was saying there. You know, it's a cliche, isn't it? Running out of superlatives. But actually, it is becoming a challenge on a weekly basis because our seamen is scoring every single week. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah. you don't just want to revert to the numbers, but inevitably you do because you have to. And that's, you know, that's part of the job. And, and he's, you know, he's now got his sights on Immobile Nigwain's record of 36 goals in, in a single season. Uh, it's Fadis different Hilly goals well. every week as well, though, Patrick. Yes. It's different goals. Yes. It's not the mm. same goal every week. Rahmani. Osimen working the channel. Osimen. He's got a wonderful goal. He's caught everyone off guard there, Consigni included. And Napoli have doubled their. I, I have to thank him for my worst goal call of the entire season, which was <laughs> the, uh, the one against Sassuolo, because. I started to say he's got, and I was trying to, I was about to start listing the players in the box and he caught me and Concilia and everyone inside Mape off guard and just decided to fire it in from an improbable angle. So uh, I thank Victor for that one. And, um, but yeah, I mean, there's just a, a freshness to his game. Um, it's, it's very instinctive um, and, and it's just an absolute joy to watch. I, I, you know, it was. I saw this graphic the other day on social media. It's comparing all of these, um, you know, Napoli trios down the year. And obviously, the most recent one was when Sari converted Mertens into that false nine role, and they had Callejon and Insigne, um, which was great because you know that's that allowed them to get Mertens in the team as well as Insigne. If you remember, initially it was Iguain and sort of Insigne and Mertens jostling for position. Then there were the three tenors as well. You know, with uh, with Cavani and uh, and Lavezzi and Hamtic. But I think um, for me, it was, it was just absolutely, it's, it's two now. It's not really a third. I mean, Elmas has been sort of the little brother, you know, sort of just trying to muscle his way in, but their understanding is just, is out of this world. And, I, and it does feel slightly selfish, but I would like to see them stay in Naples for several seasons. I don't know how long, I, my hunch is Osimhen goes this summer on the basis that me this too. is his third season already. I think De Laurentiis would be loath to lose them both in the same summer, because my hunch is you, can, you can't necessarily replace Osimhen and his goals, but Kvaratshelia is the one you need to keep at least for another season, allow his market value to grow. And maybe like you did, as a, you know, I'm talking from an Apple perspective, as the club did in 86, 87, and then in 89, 90, don't just win one Scudetto, try and win another one, if not the year after, then at least within a few years. So my hunch is Osimhen might go this summer, but Kvaratshelia is probably here to stay. I hope we at least get another season out of him because I feel like, I feel like one of the most privileged observers at the moment because they're I think they're the 
probably, along with Haaland, they're, they're two of the most talked about footballers in, in the world. I guess as well with, with Osimhen, there's at least some sort of alternative. Like you have got Aspadori there waiting in the wings. You have got um, Simeone as well. Like mm. you can imagine a world in which the team is still pretty successful without him, even though, of course, not as good. Because he was out early this season and they did still win games. So, Yeah, and that's been, that's been the story of him. Absolutely, yeah. Sorry, I'm just saying that's been the story for the, all three seasons he's been there. You know, the first season he dislocated his shoulder, the second season he broke his cheekbone, then he had this hamstring injury. And finally, we're seeing him, we're seeing him week in, week out. But Mino, I don't know about you, my feeling is with, with Napoli now, either they go out in the last 16 or they make it to the Champions League final. I think it's, it, it would be very Napoli, it's all or nothing. A bit, a bit like, you know, they've only lost one game, they've, they've won 20 and drawn two. I feel like either they go to the final and maybe win it, or they go out now and a bit like they did with Cremonese in the Cup. It's weird with Napoli because I think that, I mean, certainly the best team in Europe right now, I really can't figure out a team that plays better football than this, but they have this... Osman, for example, it was somebody that I felt like at the time really had to play sort of, you know, all guns blazing, firing from all cylinders, throwing himself into every challenge. You know, that's why I almost felt like he was injured all the time. Um, Andy Brassel once said that, you know, he worries about him because of the way he plays his football. He's just all or nothing. And yet now what you see this year is the technique that shines through. So he doesn't need to rely so much on everything else. It's just this perfect control, the ability to score from the tightest of angles. His mentality as well is, is one that will always seem to push him further and further, which I think is such a blessing to have. Kravetskeli, I think, is, you know, wearing 77, talking about Real Madrid endlessly. You kind of know where it is that he wants to end up. And if it's not there, then I think he'll stay. But Lobotka would be the guy that I would love to have. I just, that guy for me, I mean, I've just never seen a, a man who can dictate an orchestra so beautifully. Um, so he is like, wow, as well. <laughs> I just don't even know. I mean, they could do it without Zelinsky. They can do it. You know, it's just everyone there, you never think to yourself would be who they are. But the one thing that still worries me about them is the defense. And I, and I just kind of feel like if you do sort of come at them vertically and counterattack, I mean, one of the abilities of them to have such a good defensive record, I think the best in Serie A, is the fact that they hold possession so much. But what about if they are up against a side that is... Because we've seen, even against Juventus, in, in which they trash them 5-1, there are, there are always moments in which they look a little bit shaky, just like if Lorente had managed to score or, or I don't know, Berazzi was there. You feel like there's... I sometimes think to myself, if they're up against an Mbappe, PSG is terrible, but Mbappe, can they stop him? And they're not up against an Mbappe in the Champions League, but, you know, Frankfurt have got Moani's having this great season, yes. really sort of sharp counter-attacking player. Exactly. They have got Lindstrom as well. And I think Frankfurt will lean into that, will lean into that. If you overcommit against us, we're going to hit you fast and we've got players who can run with the ball. Precisely. I think there's there's a banana skin here for Napoli and I think mm. it's going to be really easy to look at that and go, oh, it's, it's Frankfurt, it's not Madrid, it's not Man City. And I think what, they've, they've lost one of their last 11 games, Frankfurt. They're playing well. I think that's a, it's a dangerous game. And how many times have we seen in the past a team carrying over winning the Europa League into going very deep, if not winning the Champions League as well? We, we've seen mm -hmm. that in the past. So, yeah, I think, I think this, is, this is the one. Um, and, and history plays a part as well. The fact that they've never made it to a European Cup or Champions League quarterfinal is a consideration as well. There's, there's something in that. Um, and I remember the last time Frankfurt came to Italy, it was, uh, it was against Inter and Spalletti was Inter coach and uh, admittedly he had a, a very strange situation to deal with then. It was just after he'd stripped 
uh, Icardi of the captaincy, I remember, and he gave a he gave a debut to sixteen year old Sebastiano Esposito in the second leg. But uh, and Luka Jovic scored, which is even more surprising. Oh as well. God, so, uh, <laughs> that was many years ago. You know, it was a different time then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I guess I, I had already preempted that they'd get over. I, I do like Eintracht Frankfurt. I'm still not sure about their defense, though. So I feel like Napoli could do quite a, I guess, going forward in the competition, because I still think they should reach the final. This team should reach the final. But let's move on to another team who actually has a Champions League cash this season. Sorry, this week, rather. And that's uh, Inter against Udinese. This was, well, they started off slowly. I don't know what you guys think of handing them the decision. I think the penalty was really fair, but then they obviously got to retake it because Lukaku missed on the first occasion. And I don't know about how you feel about that, but doesn't matter. I like that you said it that way, because he missed on the first occasion. Like the decision was, oh, okay, you can have another go because you missed. (laughs) I kind of feel like that was what it was though, you know? It's like, oh, poor Lukaku, just give him another chance. He did score in the second one. Yeah. And thank God he got that goal because, you know, you just kind of need Lula back, right? And this is the first time that they've scored together since the Conte days. It wasn't a great first half for Inter, but I thought it was a great second half from them. And it's interesting to see the rotations, you know, the player that they once depended on was, you know, the players were Lukaku and Brozovic, right? And now you sort of rely on the Chalanoglu's and Mkhitaryan and, and actually, well, it is Lautaro Martinez always, you know? I mean, Porto is a side that terrifies me. It really, really terrifies me. Sergio Conceição, I mean, they've had such a field day with Italian teams. Knocked Milan out in the group stages, obviously. Knocked Juventus out in the knockouts. Sergio Conceição and Simeone and Zaghi are like such, you know, they're good friends. They they played together, obviously. And Conceição is one of those, you know, sort of Italian-minded coaches who really studies the opponent. But this was a good inter side. So are we hopeful? Become a member at patreon.com forward slash Chronicles for regular bonus episodes and content. Sports Social Podcast Network.